passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. That was uh, an episode of Raw that, um, with everything that was going on, it felt like an episode of Dynamite with uh, how divided my attention was and uh, trying to uh, figure out what, what is going on. I mean, if there are people that, you know, that might be listening to this tomorrow, like in the morning, that will have no idea. What we're even talking about? Yeah, we should. We're we're gonna go off the top and just uh, talk about everything. What a uh, cage match between Bobby Lashley and Omos! Oh my goodness! I mean, Akira Tozawa getting served those divorce papers. I Holy mean, shit! This wow. was this was a lot. We got to start off right right from the top. But um, the major story tonight is that Sasha Banks and Naomi, um, not even reportedly. I mean, this is you know WWE went to the extent of issuing a statement confirming that they walked out of Raw at some point today. They had been scheduled for a six-pack challenge that was going to headline the show that would also feature Asuka, Becky Lynch, Nikki Ash, and Dewdrop. And it was uh, Mike Johnson of PW Insider who was the first one um, that reported um, that the two had, had left earlier in the day and um, j- just outlining uh, some of the potential issues. On the broadcast itself, it was very interesting to watch how this this story was sort of unfolding in real time. Um, for me, like I got I got a message like around uh, eight forty five, and it was just uh, sounds like some chaos tonight. And I was still I was not up to date at, at RAW. I was still like twenty five thirty minutes behind. So I'm listening to this and kind of like piecing it together. And then the segment occurs where. They have announced a six-pack challenge. They have not, to my knowledge, they did not advertise this during the day. Uh, this was the first I was hearing of this match. And then several segments later, Becky Lynch appears with Adam Pierce and states that she saw Naomi and Sasha Banks walk out of the arena. They're not here. We can't do the six-pack challenge. And it's changed to Becky Lynch versus Asuka, a match that they have been teasing for several weeks and are going to do in the main event in the absence of the six-pack challenge. And that is when uh, kind of the pieces are coming together. And there's been some follow-up reporting uh, from Fightful Select, who had noted um, that uh, there had been a meeting earlier in the day uh, involving um, involving Sasha Banks. And with Naomi, the, the two of them leave. And then WWE issues a statement 
And this was more than I expected WWE. I did reach out to WWE as well. And I mean, I would say nearly 10 times out of 10 on a story like this, there's no way WWE is commenting on it. But um, this, they did put out a pretty lengthy statement. So I'm just going to read from that. When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations John, John Laurinaitis' office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. That paragraph is astounding that WWE put this out. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. And on the show as well, um, there was also a line that you might have missed it, but later when they are teeing up the main event, uh, Corey Graves, uh, I want to get the exact wording here, said that uh, earlier tonight, um, Sasha Banks and Naomi summarily and unprofessionally left the arena, which I mean is... um, a Vince McMahon description, if I have ever heard one, summarily and unprofessionally left the arena. Um, so uh, I, I do not even need to guess here that there was um, extreme anger on the side of WWE. And the fact they went to that length uh, in the press release to talk about specifics that had not been reported yet, that they had issues with two of the people in the match from a skill level, that they were not of a certain skill level. That they were in, uh, that they felt uncomfortable with in the ring, is just a level of um, explanation that WWE just does not openly provide, and that tells me it was coming from. Like it sounded like, listen, this is this is a live TV day. I am sure that tensions were very high when all of a sudden your main event is uh, your your plans have to be rewritten. Um, the pay per view is obviously changing around because now it's going to be. Oscar challenging for the title. Um, Sean Rossap did report that Naomi was going to win the match. I've spoken to uh, two people who conveyed the the same to me. So it did look like they were going with Bianca Belair and Naomi for Hell in a Cell. And that is obviously not happening. And uh, the larger question will be the futures of Sasha Banks and Naomi. Like there is going to be like this is a pretty significant deal. And. I would like to hear their sides as well to to all of this. Um, they obviously have not commented on it, but that that is a huge part of this story is is their side of it. We we got some tea, John, to that 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 we have to dissect and figure out exactly what happened here. This is I, uh, I joked I about say. this to someone in the company tonight and literally made the comparison that if you guys just went all out cameras on you would blow drive to survive out of oh the water like this would be the most fascinating one hour docuseries if they and they they have all the resources that they could do it they have all the control of their talent they could put cameras wherever they want and they could have the most fascinating 10 episode season that comes out and i mean on a weekly basis you would just get astounding stuff and tonight being no no exception 
It, it honestly, I don't know if we've had such a notable um, instance of talents reportedly leaving on a show show day since Steve Austin. You know, way back. Punk. Well, Punk was that a show day? That was the day of Raw. Yeah. Okay, then I stand corrected. Then, well, then CM Punk. But I mean, nonetheless, I mean that itself felt like it was ten years ago. So, and, and that was Austin, their top star. And look at the at how. They res- responded with that with the confidential piece. I mean, they were livid, um, and mm-hmm. I, and I would imagine it's it's similar here. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. not it, not it's to a say, developing story. Yeah, uh, it's just it's wildly fascinating to think about what exactly might have gone on in the back. And I I want to reserve judgment until we might possibly hear the other side because we don't know what it was that. I mean, there are all, there are going to be people that will argue that no matter what you're tasked to do on the show, you do it with a smile and you don't complain. I I don't know what the extent of the complaint was. I don't know what led up to the complaint. I, I would love to hear the other side. I don't know if we'll ever get to hear the other side. But to me, what is the story is the reaction from the WWE and how public they decided to really, you know, go, go at this, blowing it up into a, a bigger story than I think it could have been if they just swept it under, under the rug, confirming it to the press, confirming it to their audience and releasing these statements to journalists, which, um, is, calling them unprofessional on the air. I mean, that was, that was certainly a, have a decision. Have we seen them do this to any of the prior walkouts with this level of immediacy? And not with the immediacy like you if you go back and watch that raw uh, the austin one punk they made no reference that night to punk uh with austin they you know they came out and it was the you know that that austin had walked out as as i recall and then it was the next week where they had the whole took his ball and went home and on confidential they really went in on austin hard very hard with Jim Ross involved in that whole thing. Um, but that was uh, not not the immediacy of this one. Like this was just and, and listen, I'm going to again, I am talking about this as more so a larger issue that we always talk about with these talents that they have so little say in the matter. They have so little power in the grand scheme of things. They do not have a ton of leverage. Uh, so when you do um you know, when do you exercise that? It's, uh, you, you can look at this and, and I don't think you can, from the outside looking in, get a clear perspective of what exactly went down tonight. Um, but I always reserve judgment here for talent that are in a company where your, your leverage is very little and you are often just to expected to go with the flow, go with everything and, at what point do you put your your foot down, uh, even if it is going to cause chaos to a live broadcast? But this is like this is a story that I imagine is going to get a lot of traction. Like here it is on the day of the the NBCU upfronts. Like here is a show that is getting uh, two hundred and sixty five million dollars a year, and just hours before your broadcast, your main event, uh, two of your principal performers are walking out like tr- extrapolate this to any other kind of live broadcast i mean it is um it's it sounds like chaos like could you imagine this 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 happening and i i think like and you're talking about two very prominent figures in sasha banks and naomi 
Yeah, yeah. You know, there are certain people uh, in the chat room bring up their mental health. And of course, like this, maybe contrasting to previous times where these instances may have happened, I think the public awareness of that topic is, is much greater now than it was before. So absolutely, it is a topic of discussion. Um, not something I could necessarily personally speak to without knowing the actual circumstances. But um, I mean, all, all that said, it's it is just really cu- kind of curious to see the WWE's reaction to it. Um, to see the public's reaction to it, because I'm sure this will. That, that was an emo- That was a statement fueled by emotion. That was absolutely. an absolutely knee jerk statement that I think would be one that you. It's like you send out a tweet and you, honestly, and then you come back and check Twitter. Like, why did I send that out? Well, and you're a company doing this, so I mean, you know, like, how are these these bridges going to be repaired um, after publicly throwing that? some of those lines out there like that you know specifically mentioning two performers um in that ring and i feel like if we know the experience levels of some of the people that are in there i i have to think that i i can't actually imagine who it would be because everybody's experienced in there so now everybody's like the, the point is it's going to be left up to speculation now to see to think about who the two performers oh that that, that was reckless that was reckless on their part to just throw it out there like two of these uh other four are considered um dangerous um, totally right. too. Like they're all they're all veterans here. We're talking about Dewdrop and and Nikki Cross and Becky Lynch and, and Oscar. So anyway, who knows if that that is even the actual reason why why that happened? Um, but it, it, to me, it's incredibly telling how how public and how how much I actually think wait, the, the, was put in the, into this press release. Yeah. Um, also worth noting that uh, Jimmy Uso w- was there on the show. He was he was booked to be in a match and and he stayed so so he was there mm-hmm. that's like an interesting dynamic to all of this as well that both husband and wife were on this show and yeah um beyond that um i i, I would actually be very surprised if sasha and naomi do not comment on this in some way this week i almost feel they have to given the way that wwe has couched this and positioned this and and I'm sure we'll want to get their their side out and um, mm-hmm. whatever form that is. Um, I hope if if they're comfortable, they they take that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It's these moments, you know, in in professional wrestling that I think really show off how unique of a medium it is. You know, a show where on the night of performers and characters can just be you know removed from the screen. Um, for whatever reason, and storylines have to change to, like, I, 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 again, wish everybody like is 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 healthy, um, and and okay with it with it all. And I, I, I love the two talents that are involved, and I hope they end up like patching things up and continuing their careers. But I have to say, like, as as a wrestling fan, like these are some of the moments of the sport where that I I'm the most energized because I I really we all want to know what exactly is going on. So you know, the bigger story is like. How is WWE going to parlay this if they are going to, in fact, work with Sasha and, and, and Naomi again into into something? Because we know that they will. I mean, history always dictates that eventually um, the sides c- c- come back together. And this is unless this is just such an untenable um, infraction that the WWE views that they do not want to um, r- repair that bridge. It is obviously um, there. There's obviously damage in the immediate aftermath 
of this decision. And listen, if you, if you are a company that is producing television and all of a sudden, like hours before a broadcast, two of your performers leave, like that is going to generate an emotional uh, response. I know that there is going to be, I think, a lot of sympathy for Sasha Banks and Naomi, but I think there's also going to be a lot that are going to say that, listen, this is if there were giant issues like there is. Again, we, we don't know what all the specifics were. They were obviously at enough of an impasse that Sasha Banks and Naomi felt there was not a resolution to their situation. And they opted to use what what leverage they did have. And that was physically leaving uh, the, the building like in all these years, whenever people talk about the idea of what would it take for the WWE to really strong arm and get a union, the 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 answer is always the day of WrestleMania. Your main eventers get together and state, "We will not go out unless there there is something uh, given to us," and that would be the ultimate. I mean, there is just and that's a completely fantasy uh, situation, but that is what we are talking with in terms of the um, the disparity in power that the company possesses over its talent that very, very rarely gets to exude anything. And this was a very public uh, showcase of one and forced a show to be scr- uh, shuffled, reshuffled. It is, though I, I would contend that, I mean, this is not necessarily, a, you know, what seems to be a matter of, of, of financial or even like, um, I don't know, um, contractual sort of um, uh, maybe d- disparities or, or um, injustice. It seems like it's more creatively based. And as a result, I mean, I'm just really curious internally, like what the talents might also think of this, because ultimately you've re- it resulted in a lot more work for the people that were involved in Becky Lynch and Asuka. And of course, Dewdrop and Nikki Cross not getting matches. Like how do talents view something like this? And, you know, what what is sort of the communication backstage about how they're supposed to feel about something like this, even if somebody publicly might support uh, uh, Naomi and Becky and, and and Sasha Banks? I mean, probably unlikely to, to speak up about it, but I'm, I'm just very curious, you know, maybe non WWE talents, what they think about it as well. Yeah, I would mention I would guess that just about every talent has probably had that moment of extreme frustration at times. Um and you're probably also going to get like a very vocal contingent that will look at this as um, you never miss the show. You never uh, walk out and we'll have a very uh, pro company stance. And uh, it will be interesting to see what the divide is among um, talent uh, privately and publicly. I think there there may be uh, a disparity there as well. So, yeah, this was obviously the prevailing story on Monday night and we'll continue to discuss. We will get your feedback uh, at the end of the show and uh, this will uh, work its way through the review on top of that. Uh, but before we start off the uh, raw review, we did want to go over uh, a couple of things coming up on the site this week, uh, beginning with Tuesday night's edition of Rewind Away, where Way and I are going back to 1997 to chat about Shawn Michaels. Someone who certainly had his contentious issues with the WWF over the years. And this was the night of the uh, vacating of the WWF championship and delivering the promo that was dubbed that he had lost his smile. And uh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about uh, this segment, how it was viewed at the time in 1997. Uh, I pulled out some excerpts from some uh, different accounts over the years, including Shawn Michaels uh, writing about this in his book. And we will uh, look back at this and also 
how this would be viewed today. I think it would be very different than it was in 1997, but Shawn Michaels was an extremely polarizing figure by this point in 1997, and there were a lot of dynamics at play. So this is a special Thursday edition of Raw going head-to-head with Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Wow. That Seinfeld was a juggernaut. In, in Dude, those this days, NBC so. lineup on Thursday nights was just, wow. my God. Incredible. They okay. were stacked. Friends, Seinfeld, ER, they weren't messing around oh. at NBC on Thursday nights. I tell you, you're forgetting Frasier. Are you kidding me? I don't know if Frasier was on at uh, on, at least not on this night. No. Okay. All right then. All right. Well, I look forward to it tomorrow on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Cool. Uh, so you can check that out, and then uh, later on this week, of course, rewind to Dynamite on Wednesday night. Thursday way is going to Jordan Goodman for the wellness policy, and this month's topic: comedy. Yes, we'll just be telling jokes the whole uh, hour wow. and a half. Yeah, no, we'll be talking about comedy, and I think you know a bit more about like uh, how it plays a role, perhaps in our everyday lives. Why it's important to maybe look at things on uh, with a comedic lens from time to time, and maybe the culture of comedy, and maybe how. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, divided and contentious it can be in certain times. Um, like we've seen publicly with like the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident and the Dave Chappelle incident. So, uh, it'll be a really interesting topic I'm looking forward to. And, uh, as, as well, rounding out the week, we'll have rewind to SmackDown available for post wrestling cafe members. I guess 10 o'clock again, Eastern this Friday night because Rampage will be, uh, the early edition of Rampage, once again, followed by SmackDown. We'll have a special edition of the NWA podcast. They are back this weekend. Nate, Chris, and Andrew. A new Postmarks edition featuring Karen Peterson as the guest. Mm-hmm. WrestleNomics. And for Post Daily News, we have a lot of news to discuss on t- Tuesday. And we'll also be joined by uh, Mark Polisell, who is the promoter of C4 Wrestling out of Ottawa, Ontario. They just ran a show on Friday. And we're going to have Mark on to discuss uh, some of the success they have had since coming back after the pandemic and what it's like navigating uh, kind of a post-pandemic independent wrestling company and a lot of the the measures that they have put in place, what the appetite has been for wrestling fans coming back. Um, I think it'll be a very interesting chat with uh, with Mark in addition to uh, all of the news that will be happening on Tuesday. So that's live at 1 Eastern. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up as we are on the uh, the race to our next uh, our next milestone. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Leave a comment. Join the discussion. You know, uh, share the shows if you like them. Okay, the whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com, and we'll now transition to the Raw review at a sold-out Norfolk scope in Norfolk, Virginia. And they were certain to uh, to make mention of the uh, the sellout. And this was a pretty engaged crowd, I thought. They really helped in the Steel Cage match, and it seemed like a lively crowd tonight on Raw. The Steel Cage match is all set up, and then they put up the Countdown to Cody Clock. From 8 p.m., we started a two-hour countdown clock that they would constantly reference until Cody himself would speak to the people at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So bringing back last week's uh, experiment and just the show is built around Cody, literally. I think we were wondering, were they going to bring back the countdown clock for whatever match um, that they were going to have at 10 o'clock? It's not a main event countdown clock. It's it's just strictly a clock for Cody's appearance. It's the main eventer countdown. The main right. eventer countdown clock. I mean, he, the main eventer was speaking tonight. So, I 
I, it, it, I mean, it goes on to continue to tell you how much they think about Cody Rhodes. He's number two behind Roman Reigns in the pecking order. It's very They clear. don't even have a clock for Roman. No, Roman's never had a clock. Yeah. That's right. So, um, and, and it shows you how integral he is to their current system. MVP and Omos are out. The steel cage is set up and, uh, MVP cuts a promo saying that Omos can pin Lashley. He could crush him until he submits or just escape the cage. And he expects Omos to brutalize him even worse than backlash. The almighty era ends tonight. Lashley makes his entrance and they fight on the floor and Lashley gets into the ring, staring down Omos. We come back from break and the cage match begins. MVP nails Lashley in the eye using his cane from the floor. Omos with the snake eyes running boot combo uh, that I guess he has become the successor of. Sure. Yeah. Maybe he'll start doing some, um, Choke slams and what Ted else? talks, maybe a uh, planches. Even. Yeah, all, all Ted talks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MVP reaches in to slap Lashley. Lashley grabs him by the arms and rams him into the post. And then Omos misses a splash and takes a spear for a two count. That was a very nice sequence that they had. Probably the, the high point of any of their three matches so far. Crowd is with this. They're chanting Bobby. He goes to the hurt lock. Omos goes into the corner, but Lashley's out of the way. So Omos just nails himself into the corner and he kicks Omos off the top turnbuckle when suddenly Cedric Alexander scales the cage, kicking away at Lashley. He's thrown into the ring by Lashley and there goes Lashley with a cross body, which Omos catches. Dude, it's one thing to catch Cedric. Bobby Lashley coming off for a cross body and this dude caught him. Uh, sends Lashley into the cage off his shoulders, is toying with him, and then does it again. And Lashley is thrown into the cage. It breaks, a la uh, Paul White throwing Steve Austin into the steel cage. And Lashley lands on the floor, winning the match in 733. And the referee explains, it doesn't matter how you get to the floor. He wins. And then Lashley, my favorite part, he points to his head like, this was my plan all along. You would throw me through the uh, the, ste- the chain link fence. The plan came together, and Bobby Lashley wins. Mm-hmm. It's a finish we've seen before. I don't know when we saw it last, so I'm I'm imagining it's it's new for it's fresh for for a new generation. I I had no issues with it whatsoever. I mean, my only question is, why did Omos just kind of stand there and marvel at? Lashley just kind of laying on this crate, you know, for a he was long, admiring long his strength. Look what I did. He could have just once he realized he could have walked out. You know, I guess he's he's never seen that Paul White um uh uh Vince, or Vince McMahon uh Steve Steve Austin match. Unfortunately, I thought these two did well in the match, much like I thought at WrestleMania Backlash. I think they have very good chemistry together, and it's the they're the type of pairing that you know allows Olmos to fully use his uh, strengths and to be able to demonstrate his. Uh, you know, stature and allows Bobby Lashley to do a whole lot that he's not usually used to playing a baby face, diving off the top rope. I thought he looked really good here. Uh, Omos did. And I think his offense is looking better as is his cockiness as he's posturing around the ring. I, I thought this was like their, their best performance of the three. Uh, I throw out WrestleMania completely. That to me was uh very, very bad. Um, th- This to me, like they had the crowd for this. Um, I thought Lashley looked good in this and Omos. I mean, Yes, we are somewhat looking on, on a scale here, but the fact this man, like, caught, caught this guy off a crossbody, there were several moments where, I mean, it could have just been the, the match falls apart and it did not. And the ending certainly continues the feud. It's kind of a cop out on, on a cage match. But what do you think this is escalating to? 
Oh man, I cannot see these two doing a Hell in a Cell, for instance. I I can't either. Um, you know, like it's got to be to me like the ha- like getting the hands on MVP seems to be the the big thing that this- or Cedric. Yeah, to a, to a lesser extent. To me, it's like MVP is kind of like the mastermind that Lashley eventually gets to. But maybe it's going to be like a handicap situation. Maybe it'll be like three on one. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, we we know that. I I feel like both of them are kind of in a position where they can't necessarily afford clean losses or to lose a full on feud at the moment because I think they're both projects. So I can actually see this maybe being the point where they're just kind of leaving off. You know, Bobby Lashley technically gets the win, but but Omos is still somewhat protected in the outcome. So maybe they move on from this. But I will say, like, I think the two of them have very good chemistry t- together, and I can understand the appeal of wanting to keep it going because. It, it they are each other's best opponents at least thus far when it comes to you know Bobby playing a babyface. Well, they are doing a segment next week, the Almighty Challenge that Lashley is going to put Omos and MVP through, whatever that turns out to be. Theory comes out for a match with Mustafa Ali, but Theory says that this isn't going to happen unless there's a referee he can trust. So the Miz is brought out and then brings up the rankings. It's not fair that Ali lost to Champa last week and gets a match with the champion. So he is, um, makes sense. And therefore, uh, Ali needs to win a match to prove he has championship material. And his new opponent is Veer Mahan. And Ali, uh, got in a bit of offense, uh, but then is, is steamrolled by Veer. There's a military press. Theory trips Ali from the floor. Miz is still the referee and pretends he did not see it. And then Veer eats a sliding drop kick and another one sends him off the apron. He goes for a dive, but Miz blocks him as he is counting. They argue. Miz pie faces Ali and that allows Veer to hit the million dollar arm and apply the cervical clutch, submitting Ali in two minutes and 48 seconds. I believe when Ali returned to television, my, guesstimate was let's give this six weeks and see where Ali is and we are uh, right around that time period and this is where he's at uh, Theory took a selfie with Veer and Miz and the clutch was back on and all of this led to the Mysterios making their big return attacking Veer uh, and the Mysterios standing tall at the end of this segment so with I, Ali nowhere to be seen no like, this you did not come out of this with the idea of a of a six man although i guess you do the numbers do work out but that feels like a raw match and this feels more like uh we are going to go back to veer with the mysterios and then what whatever is left with ali who i think has uh greatly reduced his it's like every week i feel he's just been knocked down a peg yeah, yeah. It's at this point in, in the run where you really have to suspect whether Ali coming back was strictly so that they can continue to beat him every single week, you know, embarrassing him in, in various ways. And I think the argument every single week will be, look, Ali, we're doing all this so that you can get your comeback. You know, you're building up your heat here, right? Think about but the heat. It's the it's heat. like it's been weeks of this. And at this point, it's past the point of like <laughs> if he's even – pins Austin Theory the next week. It does not make up for the amount of losses that he's suffered every single week against any of these guys. So, it, it, you know, the fact that we didn't even have Tommaso Ciampa here suggests to me that we're just going to go through a carousel of various opponents for Ali to lose to until he ultimately maybe gets some sort of rematch against The Miz or, or Austin Theory. So we'll see. We'll see if next week is a positive or a continued negative for Ali. Yeah, I mean, all the focus was on Sasha Banks and Naomi, but um, also, like, just for whatever reason, not on the show tonight, uh, Ciampa, Randy Orton, the Street Profits, like, there were a fair number that were unaccounted for tonight on on Raw. My question to you is, Helena Cell is in Chicago. Chicago is Ali's hometown. 
Will he be on that show? And if he is on that show, is he losing on that show? I mean, at best, maybe a kickoff match. Uh, and yeah, he's definitely losing. Well, that's when we'll find out. The Heat. Adam Pierce is with Becky Lynch, and this is when they they changed the six pack challenge into the Becky Lynch Oscar match, which one would have to assume was probably going to be the Hell in a Cell match way based on where they had been teasing things. Like last week, you kind of got the impression it could have been a three way program, but if Bel Air was going to be with Naomi, that seems like Becky and Oscar uh, got rushed up to here, and now we'll see if they get back to that. But that seems to be um, the major change for the pay per view. Yeah, it's an interesting shuffling and probably the one that, you know, was your only option because you you probably weren't going to do a Dewdrop Becky Belair match. You, you weren't going to do a Nikki Cross Belair match. And you just did Becky Lynch versus Belair. And that rematch, I think, has a lot more you know value attached to it than just to throw it out at Hell in a Cell. So it, it makes sense that maybe we're getting this Asuka match, which leaves Becky without an opponent. That's right. And uh, and the line, yeah, summarily and unprofessionally left the arena. Have you ever summarily done something? Uh, I mean, summarily reviewed this episode of Raw, I guess, later. All right. Well, uh, summarily, in a summary manner, without the customary formalities. They did not go through the customary formalities. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. Kevin Patrick. Uh, oh, sorry. First, we go to Riddle and Jimmy Uso. Uh, Jay was in Jimmy's corner. So this is a prelude to the title unification match that is advertised for Friday's SmackDown. Um. Uh, a good match. They have their rhythm down, I think, in all of these incarnations. At one point, Riddle scales to the top, going to the RKO. It's blocked. Uso splash lands on the knees of Riddle. And then Jay yanks Riddle off of the top behind the referee's back. And then Jay tries to help Jimmy with the cover using his legs for leverage, is caught by the referee and ejected. The crowd goes wild. Yeah, go to the backstage area now. And Jimmy is thrown off. He's confused. You're ejecting my partner. I don't understand this. And Riddle uses a small package to pin the confused Jimmy Uso. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, very good match, John. I mean, despite maybe um, uh, you, you seeming to suggest that there, this audience should have no reason to be upset about the an ejection. I mean, we want a fair fight, you know, John? It's, it's actually my favorite spot in wrestling is the ejection. Because yes, this yes. crowd, I mean, they see that arm re- just go and yeah they're I mean, so happy they're so happy when someone gets like tossed i thought this was a very good match uh great chemistry as always between these two teams if i have any sort of criticism it's it's the fact that i feel like i've seen this pairing so much now at this point that by the time that they finally do get to the match i i don't know how big of an appetite i have for it especially like the the only the, the draw is to see whether or not they actually go through with the title unification on the friday <laughs> do and, i get fucked on the finish that's the that's the hook for smackdown do I well, get what is advertised? That's it. Exactly. I mean, the match is going to be good, but I've seen these matches. I've seen these guys have good matches like every single week for like two months. And if um, it's a DQ, it's going to be like if they do 20 minutes and it's a DQ, it's actually going to make it worse, in my opinion. Of course. Of course it will be. And I could see them certainly getting 20. Yeah. Yeah. The way they've advertised this. But it, 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 you will get a great match. A finish. I guess that that's more so a question mark. But. Um, Kevin Patrick interviewed Liv Morgan. This was earlier in the day, and she said that Rhea will never get away from this. Los Lotharios come. They want to comfort her, and she says no. She turns down the kiss cam, and AJ Styles and Finn Balor boot them out and state they all have common enemies, and they need to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three of them. So she's going to think about this. Uh, I don't know what she had to think about because she just came right out. So what the hell? She should have said. 
You know, this was done earlier in the day. She could have said the main event is up in the air. I could get booked into a title opportunity. So I don't want to hatch my wagon to you guys when I could have something bigger coming my way after the six pack fell apart. Yes, yes, perhaps. Yeah, she should have just had her bags ready in case she didn't like the offer. The Judgment Day did a backstage interview. I thought the setting helped this a lot as opposed to being in the ring. I thought that being in the back, I thought that this came off a lot clearer and I thought each had their turn. I thought this was one of Edge's better promos in the char- in the character. Priest says they don't take orders. They do what they want and they do it to whomever they want. Ripley has embraced the movement and enjoyed every second of it. She is done trying to be everything you want us to be, and nothing is holding her back, and it is time for complete and utter eradication. And Edge ends it by saying that he travels the country, and some of you are angry. If you're angry, join us and have some meaning in your life. Judgment Day equals power, and more will come. More will join us. Our arms are open for any talent that wants to take their career to the next level. It could even be you, AJ. AJ tries to please everyone else. Edge tried that too, jumping off ladders, and it left him with broken bones and a shortened career. And when his career was done, the fans were gone. So he says, you can either end with them, and this can end with you standing side by side with us or laying at our feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it made that big of a difference for me, John. I mean, because Edge didn't have to rely on like the cheap stuff to try and get like booze out of this crowd. He was just talking like with his mission statement as opposed to segueing into he actually used the term low hanging fruit in this promo, which I have accused him of doing for all of these promos about maybe just he felt there was no team in Norfolk that the national audience would recognize that he could insult. But true. I like that he got away from that stuff, even though it's easy heat every time he uses it. For me, I guess my issue is is not as much with you know the 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 sort of generic um, home hometown calling out stuff, and maybe just more so the generic feel of the overall types of characters that these are. They're just kind of you know one of X amount of dark corporate ministry types of uh, uh, factions that we have at the moment. And they're they're like the early dark order segments. Yeah. 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 Trying to recruit people that are, have, have, you know, directionless lives. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, sort of generic cult leader and join us. Why? Because we hate the fans and you, they're angry uh, and fans are awful. I, I I learn that every week. Fans are horrible. You tried AJ, you tried too hard to cater to to the fans, even though for the better part of the past (laughs) year and a half, you're a a heel who didn't give a shit the whole time. Um, I just don't, don't sense that much. I think like, you know, um, mm, originality in all of it and and again it continues to be a little bit disappointing again i love the 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 triplet of rhea ripley attached to, to the two of them but the content of these promos to me just kind of leaves a bit more to be desired styles and finn balor took on los Lotharios with Liv morgan in their corner uh balor and styles i thought were great together mm-hmm. um and los Lotharios were great opponents for them um they got the heat on aj after a drop kick on the apron by angel 
and they use a double single leg crab. Balor comes in, avoids the wing clipper and hits a sling blade. And then Balor is stopped with a super kick as he sets up for the, the running drop kick. Uh, Umberto is in with a moonsault, but Balor blocks with his feet, hits the drop kick to Umberto. And then Styles takes out Angel with the phenomenal forearm, clearing the way for Balor to hit Umberto with the coup de grace for the win. You could have a really thriving tag division in this company if you just uh, put some of these random parts together. And AJ and Finn Balor, I am much more looking forward to these two taking on Edge and Priest than another Styles Edge match. I think at this point, I'd like to see the tag version. Kind of surprised. These two were great together. This was a really fun TV match. I mean, as you would expect, you know, you're talking about two of the best wrestlers in the entire company right here. But yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised they haven't, you know, with all the Bullet Club sort of like uh, stoking of those like, you know, flames. I'm surprised we haven't had this team up until this point. So I'm hoping we uh, get a bit more of a prolonged uh, run with these two, maybe even chasing the tag team championships, you know, as your top babyface team. If eventually Riddle and uh, Orton aren't necessarily a thing anymore. And uh, it looks like now we have uh, Liv Morgan getting inducted into the Bullet Club. Yeah, because uh, this Bullet Club is for Liv. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. That's Kevin great. Owens is in the back. Print that shirt. I'm not. WWE. Kevin Owens is with Alpha Academy. The DNA results have come back from the lab with Ezekiel's DNA from the red cup that they have cross-examined with a piece of hair from Elias that Gable's been hanging on to. Owens reads the results. They've been contaminated due to barbecue sauce being on the sample. And he looks at Otis and he blames, uh, he blame Otis is blaming Elias for this. And Owens saw Otis eating ribs the week they started this DNA test. Gable (laughs) brings up the chain of custody. And now he's going to do an ancestry test. Owens just gets livid. And next week, Gable says he'll expose Ezekiel, but tonight he's going to beat it out of him. Listen, for these three, I cannot imagine sitting down and going over what your segment is. It's like, okay, you're going to get the DNA results from the mystery lab and um, just explain that they've been cross-examined with a a red cup and hair. And uh, the results, we don't have results. They were... Just say they were contaminated. Contaminated with what? I don't know. Fucking barbecue sauce. I don't care. Go. What they made out of this with like almost nothing is remarkable to the performances, mainly of Owens and Gable, that are just terrific playing off of one another. And Owens can just, anytime he needs to, he can just yell and scream. And it's very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, he he like Sami Zayn, uh, whose shirt he was actually wearing on this segment. I mean, can seemingly you know really make entertainment out of any any scenario that they're given. And I, I mean, the scenario itself, I thought was on about on the level with everything else we've had in this whole thing. I mean, all the feud itself is about whether or not a guy uh, who shaved his beard is another person than who he claim he claims he is. So it's, it all exists in a really kind of ridiculous reality. This has been like a six week feud by this point, six weeks. They've been and, going with us and it's been entertaining. Well, uh, it continues. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Alexa Bliss versus Sonya Deville. There was a new theme for Bliss that she came out with. And Deville hit her with a running knee strike. Uh, Deville tried to remove the turnbuckle pad, is caught by the referee. So he's tending to the turnbuckle pad while Bliss hits a spine buster. And, or sorry, she hits the spine buster to Bliss, who kicks out and then lands a right hand and a DDT, pinning Sonya in four minutes. Sonya's pissed and she slaps the referee that they note she is not allowed to do because she is no longer an official. If you're an official, you can you can assault people. But if you're just a regular talent, that's a crime. Yes, yes. Pretty basic match, I have to say. Uh, finish wasn't all that imaginative. You know, it was just like her punching, Alexa punching Sonya and then hitting her DDT. Two weeks in, I, I feel a little bit disappointed in Alexa Bliss's reintroduction. She feels like she's been lacking in identity. And... It it almost feels like without the whole Lily thing, they don't exactly know what she is supposed to be. She, but but we, still comes out with it, but they make no reference to it, and it doesn't play, at least after two weeks, it's not played any kind of uh, role in her presentation other than, I, I honestly believe they just want it for the merch at this point. Well, sure. Yeah, fine. I mean, there's a way of incorporating it, like even even making mention of what the those psychiatrist skits were and how I have Lily here with me, like after whatever, just like give us some reason. We haven't even heard Alexa Bliss speak yet. You know, I- instead, like she's not even been made the focus of these segments afterwards. Everything, you know, in terms of direction, in terms of commentary has been focused on Sonya Deville. So that after the matches, I mean, camera stays on Sonya Deville. The story is Sonya Deville. And Alexa Bliss really is just more of a background character to Sonya's story. So for somebody, you know, who's as high of a level of a star as Alexa Bliss is, I'm a little bit kind of, you know, perplexed by at how mm, insignificant she's felt in these two weeks. The countdown to Cody comes to a conclusion, and out comes Cody. He says that Seth Rollins is not here, he understands, but hopes that Seth is listening and asks what he did last week. He tried to move on, but he explains, Rollins is trapped in this pandemonium purgatory of his own design and is hell-bent on pulling me in with him. What in God's name is he saying? He is in his own pandemonium purgatory of his own design and is hell-bent on pulling me in. I mean, he he's saying that Rollins' uh, biggest enemy is himself. And, you know, Cody tried to step away after WrestleMania backlash. And Rollins, continue, because he's so, I guess, deranged and so stuck in his own negativity, he continues to want to drag Cody back in. 
Okay, that that sounded a lot more uh, clear. But pandemonium purgatory, that's got some alliteration uh, to it. So, so here's a question for you. Do, I mean, how much control do you think Cody has over these promos? Uh, th- this is stuff he did in AEW. This is yeah. not, to me, uh, a departure of Cody Rhodes no, uh, getting all. all wordy. He has always been very wordy with a lot of his promos. Um, too wordy sometimes. He goes back to 2012 when Seth Rollins first appeared as a member of the Shield and said he, meaning Cody, was a bitter member of the locker room, watching how successful he was, all the titles he won, and shattering the glass ceiling and proving to skeptics like me that there was a glass ceiling and won his way to the top. Meanwhile, my story, I did not win. In fact, I lost. And I scratched and I clawed and I painted my face while I was dead inside. But I endured. And you learn a lot from loss, including how to reinvent yourself and knows I will never be the American dream. So why not embrace the nightmare? Everyone here knows what it's like to get a second chance. And Rollins is trying to deny me my second chance. And you're going to have to kill me to deny it. And I'm going to give you the chance and suggest they run it back and play it for keeps. Rollins versus Rhodes 3 inside Hell in a Cell. And at this point, um, I was worried about Cody not physically making it to Hell in a Cell because he was sweating so much that I thought this man was about to melt on my television set. Yeah, those suits are, you know. This guy needed a fan, like it, like a portable fan for his uh, address here in the ring. It must have been so damn hot inside of this ring. I'll bet, yeah. Down there, I mean, it's if it's this hot in Toronto, I can't imagine what it would be like in Virginia. Rollins appears on the screen and says that Cody tried to steal his spotlight at WrestleMania, then cheated at Backlash to win. Now you want hell in a cell, and you might be more stupid than you look. Anyone that has stepped into the cell with me has changed forever. He accepts the match, and he's going to expose Cody for the fraud he is. And Cody says, I'll see you in hell. I thought it was a great promo from Cody. I thought it was a really great setup uh, for it. Uh, Pandemonium purgatory aside, I thought this was a very straightforward um, setup to a match. We didn't have to work in silly comedy to this. It was just like, here is the big blow-off match that we are establishing. The crowd reacted to Hell in a Cell uh, as meaningful and does feel like the main event of this show uh, in the absence of a big Roman Reigns match that this is this feels like the big match for uh, whenever that pay-per-view is in a couple of weeks, June 5th. Yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, we've had a few weeks now of Cody not really speaking a whole lot, it feels. So to finally have him come out here and actually like give us an extended promo, one that was counted down to no less for two whole hours. Uh, I thought it it lived up to the countdown. You know, it was a countdown-worthy promo here because he sounded great. He stated his kind of deeply rooted resentment of of Rollins dating back to 2012 and talked about how, you know, his losses helped him become the person he is today. To me, it was like the best version of a Cody promo where it was not too confusing. And this is what I've always been curious to, to see. Like in a WWE setting, Will there be that editing to perhaps, you know, take out some of the two inside references that honestly bogged down a lot of his promos from probably becoming very good promos while he was in AEW? Um, I didn't really notice anything in there. You know, it was just the right. He comes off to me the same, the same kind of um, 
better pr- though. promo styled as as he did in AEW. I, I think sometimes we we focus more on the the negative Cody promos in AEW when he had a lot of stellar ones. Like his delivery to me has always been very good. I think it's more so some of the content that we uh, remember. He also has yeah. some very good promos there. Oh yeah, the delivery is great. But yeah, no, the criticism has always just been him being too confusing. You know, um, like talking about shit and trying to seed feuds with other participant members of the roster that he was not going to be anywhere near. Um, and I, you know, like instead, though, when we're talking about a promo like this, the only kind of like hardcore references are like, you know, uh, allusions to him painting his face or how um, instead of the American dream, he could be the American nightmare. I did notice like one line that I wondered was, was if, if it was a more subtle, subtle shot here. And that was a line about how he said um, he learned the difference between being a revolutionary interview and an actual uh, – he learned the difference between revolutionary interviews and actual revolutionary actions. And I wondered, you know, just because it stems from a previous mention in one of his AEW promos, I mean, is there a more revolutionary interview in recent memory than the pipe bomb? In in one of his criticisms in one of his latest uh, AEW promos was how mm-hmm. he realized CM Punk's um, pipe bomb sort of a you know a manifesto, uh, whereas he actually took action where Punk did not. So I wondered if that was just a bit more of a subtle shot, but anyway, it's a it's interesting. You know, we could still have fun and maybe look into some of those the content here. But I, I, overall, this was a far less con- confusing and still very good sounding Cody promo. I think he could have um, uh, really rounded the, the the promo out by uh, talking about tumbling class in in, in NXT. <sighs> tumbling, yes, yes, yes. That Red Dragon program we never got with Cody. So we go to the back. Schreiber is with Oscar, who just cries like a baby impersonating Becky Lynch, and she's going to give her a reason to cry tonight. She's ready for the Raw Women's Title. I mean, I just had had a thought, but like they would have known that this match wasn't happening at the start of the show, right? The, the the six woman match, um, in theory, yeah, yeah. If if, if Didn't they, they said, leave hours ago, like, they said what? the timeline. They said was eight hours before the match. So we're we're talking like what, like six. Five to six hours before showtime that they left. So in, yes, in either case, like they didn't have to show that opening graphic if they knew that. Like, because did they even announce this at any point? During I the can't day say one hundred percent. They didn't announce it on the site or something earlier. Even if they did announce it on the site, we've seen them just go against that, like in, in on their TV by by showing us a, a different match. Like, uh, like they didn't have to show that graphic. Did they just show it because they had to weave in the references to them leaving with their uh, unprofessionally throughout the show? Listen, they they could have gone around this many different ways that did not involve um, throwing Naomi and Sasha out there and making reference to this story. They could have avoided it and they opted not to do. They opted to do not just the opposite, the polar opposite when it comes to acknowledging that Sasha Banks and Naomi are walked out as opposed to, oh, there was some kind of injury or whatever. They could have, they could have gone about it a million different ways. And I would not have guessed they would have gone to the extent of putting out that press release as they worded it. They went so far in the other direction of what would be typical. Only thing that was missing from that press release was some version of taking their ball and going home. Well, th- this generation's taking your ball and going home is now going to be summarily and unprofessionally left the arena. <laughs> they summarily much, much yes. bigger mouthful. Yeah. 
Chad Gable and Ezekiel with Kevin Owens on commentary. Um, Kevin Owens is like, <laughs> he's almost too good on commentary because I am just completely focused on Kevin Owens. I think he is just hilarious uh, with, yeah. with, with, the, with these guys. He constantly is calling anyone who calls him Ezekiel a liar. And he would, and we, he would correct them every time they said Ezekiel. He just said Elias. And they put up the photo of Elias and Ezekiel together. He says that's doctored. And then Jimmy Smith has a, to me, an actual slip up calling him Elias. And Kevin just pounces on it, noting that, see, even you know. And then says, you were the same one that said that Cody hadn't wrestled in six years. That was equally ridiculous. <laughs> so this guy's paying close attention. Uh, Ezekiel uses a gory special and Gable escapes with a uh, sunset flip roll up. Uh, Gable then targets the arm, comes off the top into the returning symphony that does not have a name for Ezekiel adopting the move of his brother. Chaos Theory gets blocked. Then he lands a moonsault off the top. Ezekiel kicks out of that. And then Ezekiel splashes him in the corner. There's a knee that sends Otis off the apron and they kind of, uh, rolled through here and just seemed to be, um, they, they were going for a Mahi Strahl cradle, and then on the second try, got it, and it was countered by Ezekiel, who covered Gable to get the win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved when, like, how after Kevin Owens leaves the commentary desk, Corey admits to the other two commentators that he was just lying going along with Kevin because he was worried <laughs> about him. So everybody is, like, in on it, and Kevin Owens is the only one who's crazy. I, I found it really amusing. You know, they're getting a whole lot more mileage out of this Ezekiel Elias thing than I ever imagined. And to me, it's still entertaining, very much so because of the performances of the four people that are attached to this in Alpha Academy and Ezekiel slash Elias and Kevin Owens. Um, he's been great on commentary. I thought the match was pretty good, too, actually, between Gable and, and Elias. Sorry, Ezekiel. Yeah, come on, way. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty down on this character at the beginning last week when Kevin Owens revealed himself to not be his brother, Ken, but Kevin and Ezekiel's reaction. It, it might've been one of the best things I've seen of the Elias character. Like his reaction to that was priceless and it, it has grabbed me uh, even, and I've been much more down on this angle than, than I think most, to be quite honest, I think I am uh, more in the minority, but the, the performances have been pretty entertaining. I think the turning point for you was probably Pat LaProd's photo. Oh, of- dude, that that thing was incredible. Yeah, if you didn't see this, he took a, uh, he had a photo of himself with Kevin Owens at his wedding, and he photoshopped another Kevin Owens and changed the color of his tie. And dude, this photo looked tremendous. Photoshop? What are you talking about? This I, very you're right. You're right. Here. I was I was I was making a baseless accusation there. Yeah, I'll I'll throw it up at some point for the video people. That that, that might have been video. the turning point. You are right. Yeah. Our truth and Tamina. This is a storyline I think I've been consistent on for the last three years. It's been awful. Our truth and Tamina are trying to find Akira Tozawa. And last week we were talking about well they've taken the taken the dynamic of the twenty four seven title and now. <laughs> I can't talk over this. This is just <laughs> look at it. Like there's at least half a second of like look. They even have the crease. It's just it's tremendous. It is just terrific. It's a great Photoshop. Yeah, I mean, if it is a Photoshop, I don't even know at this point. No, I mean, look at look that. at two different colored ties. You know, how did he get the arm? How did he? Why is why why is, why is Pat's hand on one guy and not the other? That's I mean, a, that's a really good like job. To be real. Like, this is really well done. I think it's real. All right. So 
I thought we were going to get like a long stretch of searching for Tozawa, much like they searched for the 24-7 champion, but now it's we're trying to deliver divorce papers. Well, Truth knows where Akira Tozawa would hide. He opens up a trash can, throws the papers in, and Tozawa comes out of the trash can where he's presumably been all day. He has now been served with divorce papers. Dana Brooke then comes in and, and thanks Truth for serving Reggie with papers. He wants the 24-7 title back, but she shoves him away and runs off straight into Carmella, who is just standing there. She apologizes, and Carmella says that she is a sorry excuse for a competitor and a sorry excuse for a wife. Unlike you, my husband can't get enough of me, and I'm relevant. So Dana responds that the last time you were relevant was when the chinless guy was here. A James Ellsworth reference. What? Uh-huh. What a! If if you didn't think the the tag titles had been uh, disparaged enough, um, man, calling your former champion irrelevant uh, since 2017—that uh, you just forget about your uh, your tag champions who held it for how long this year—and adds that Corey Graves couldn't cut it. Truth runs in, reuniting with Carmella on screen, and Carmella agrees to help Truth win the 24-7 title, but she wants to get her hands on Dana Brooke. All of these different uh, combinations that they set up, I have negative interest in. Every last one. (laughs) I mean, it's the 24-7 division. You know, like, how much interest did you have to begin with, right? Um, I found it interesting how she brought up Corey, like, throughout all this, and I mean, Corey is an integral part of the Carmella character at this point, but... I, it kind of makes me wonder if, like, you know, those rumors about Corey wanting to jump back into wrestling, are they setting up a Corey return in the 27 I mean, I mean, division? I mean, him being cleared is, like, he has confirmed that. He is cleared. There's nothing stopping them from doing uh, a match with him. And it's, uh, I would say, more so just coming up with a reason to do it. And he's got a pretty great gig, as it is now. Um, but certainly that option's open. And I would imagine at some point the timing will be right to do something with Corey. And whether it be a mixed tag... Like, that would seem to make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might be something that they're setting up with this. We shall see. At this point, like, you know, with the Carmella character, it has been more comedic and more kind of, like, fitting with the, this cast of characters than actual real competitors anyway. So I have absolutely no issues with her in, involved in the 24-7 division. It might actually, you know, freshen things up just a little bit. I love the fact that there were callbacks to Ellsworth and also her relationship with R-Truth here. You know, like, we, this was like, a Carmella, this is your life here. In this little segment and uh it, it was almost a little amusing seeing you know carmella um not be so friendly to our truth and having to you know work uh having our truth basically to kind of you know work for her i thought they were literally it was going to freeze and the music was going to play with the two of them and carmella doesn't go along with it you know that might be a spot for the match okay then the segment that uh everyone is just going to be watching with every Every ounce of analysis, Lacey Evans comes out. She is introduced and she comes out. She's slapping hands and gets into the ring and notes how she respects the men and women of our armed forces. Now get up off your butt and give them a round of applause. And the crowd does. They chant USA. She thanks them for the warm welcome she was given on Raw and mentions the servicemen in the crowd, thanking them again and states that finding the courage is uh, finding the courage to fight is hard. She wants to show her baby girls that we can do it. We have what it takes to wake up, work and win. And 
There's no one. No one is better than me in the locker room. Sorry. There's. How does this uh, phrase go at the end? I I have it all jumbled up here. Um, the same does, catchphrase it, it, she always uses. It doesn't make me better than any of those people in the locker room. But they're but damn it, sure not better than me. Yes. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Totally mangled by me. But nonetheless. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, everybody was curious about how the WWE was going to handle this. You know, this comes off of several weeks of vignettes followed by two very confusing live introductions. And we've since learned that, you know, many of the verbiage that, that was used for those weird introductions were done exactly as is. Um, so. This was, I think, the first time we got to see her, see her speak at length in front of a crowd and was going to give us a great sense of the direction of where the character was going to go after reports that, you know, she is indeed cl- classified as a heel. This was about as baby face of a promo as you could get through and through. Um, almost, I mean, you know, really just kind of relying a lot on her military background. Uh, the whole promo was essentially, let's give it up for our servicemen and women. And, it was the type of promo that really was impossible to boo. Um, and, and no one, and no one did. No one did. I mean, yeah. at, at best, and you're really grasping at straws. It's just a line about telling the fans to get up off their butts and cheer these servicemen. It's like nothing heelish about that. I don't, think. um, yeah, you really can't read, the, uh, nothing at all. The, like that. this to me almost felt like they were shifting back course after they realized what the fuck are we doing trying to turn this person? Well, heel. And that, that's the other part of regardless of where this was designed to go, you have a baby face that the audience is responding to. Like in both times that they have brought her out in front of the crowds, they have had a positive reception to her. She's a good promo. Like you have a baby face here and they are not plentiful in, in, in this company. So yeah. um, uh, unless this is just, you know, they're going to go with this direction and then eventually shoot an angle with her. Um, like, I think you do How have can some- you shoot an angle with somebody like, well, not in the immediate aftermath of this. Maybe talking two, three, like six months after this, then sure. But in the immediate aftermath of thanking the veterans in the crowd to have this person in any way associated with the heel act would be very distasteful. And I don't think WWE themselves, if there's one thing that they're very respectful of is their relationship with the army or the military. Um, I don't think they would, I don't think she's going heel at all after this. Yeah. If, if you remember, I believe it was, it was 2011. It was right around WrestleMania time and there was a house show mm-hmm. and they were playing the, the, the national anthem and they did a segment where I can't remember who the heel was. Miz. Was it Miz interrupts the anthem and there was so much internal uh, heat on the on the company for this. Um, They ended up Fit Finley ended up being the fall guy for that and got fired just because of that that spot. And, you know, uh, with with their partnerships and such, it's like that is a territory they do not want to be treading around. So, um, yeah, it, it makes this character, I think, kind of the center of everyone's attention of where it is going. But, yeah, this. Very much felt like a a babyface presentation tonight. It was a hundred percent. Like I'd go as far as to say this confirms it, and this makes the questionable announcements and introductions from the previous weeks even that much more confusing. Because if we didn't have that one line of, "Ladies and gentlemen, Lacey Evans has requested your um you to stand up and applaud." Like, if that never happened, I don't think we'd be questioning any of this. But because that did, because Corey had that weird line last Monday, 
it it all throws everything out of whack, but it seems like they might be shifting back, you know, directions to to make her a full on baby face. Rid, uh, Riddle and Uso's cut promo setting up Friday. Then we got the announcement of the Almighty Challenge with MVP and Omos next week. That's the only thing announced for Raw in Evansville, Indiana next week. And the main event is Asuka and Becky Lynch with Bianca Belair seated at ringside. Um, th- this wasn't long enough, I-, I think, to really be the match I'm sure these two envisioned having. Uh, you know, g- just, God, they got into the ring and it was like almost 10 minutes left in the show. Uh, there's a leg drop to Asuka while she was draped on the middle rope. And then there's a counter to the Asuka lock, a uh, counter to the manhandle slam. And then Lynch uh, is caught in a flying arm bar. She gets out of it and then gets into Bianca's face on the floor, running Asuka into Bianca. And then she's goading Belair, who gets onto the apron. The referee is dealing with Belair. So Becky grabs Asuka's umbrella and goes to hit her when Asuka hits her with the mist in the face and pins Becky Lynch. Afterwards, first of all, they showed the replay of the green mist in slow motion. It looked tremendous. The way Becky sold it was great. (laughs) But the best part was this referee who turns around. He not only counts three. Then he grabs a towel for Becky to clean herself off of this green mist. Not at all is this referee concerned about what happened here. What what happened? Where is all this uh this green residue? Um, he didn't I, see it. He was so worried about Bianca getting involved that here this woman has been blinded by this mist, and he is literally helping clean her up. But it, decision stands. Oscar is your winner, and uh, will take on. Uh, she Bianca could have Beller. fallen into the mist herself. You know, you didn't see who who the culprit was that put it. I, on I her. guess I guess this is open ended enough that if Oscar and Becky was the direction for Hell in a Cell, and Becky is the odd woman out, could she work her way into this match based off this mist finish? Because she would apparently not have an opponent. So she could she could have lost the match and still have found her way in, into the match if they that's what they wanted to do. I don't think it they should because it would render this match completely pointless. You know, and, and I, I wouldn't want that. Like, have Becky do something else. You know, give her, uh, like, I don't know. Uh, her program's with Asuka, though. Like, you yeah, did something yeah. really well, you cold. Put, to. Well, you I, I don't think they want to extinguish this feud with Asuka either. That's fine. Yeah, put it on hold. You know, you, she can get involved in the main event. But, like, I... I I, I just don't like it when you p- promote something as a as a number one contenders match. You go through the trouble of devising a finish, and then you just kind of go back on it the the next week. To me, it just kind of like why would I pay attention to a number one contenders match the next the next time? It's pointless, right? Uh, anyway, I thought considering all the drama that probably took place in the back in the creation of this main event. Uh, I thought these two did a great job. Like it was fast paced from the beginning. It was exciting. There were a number of really clever and well executed near falls and counters and submissions. And I thought they came up with the finish that was satisfying, but was still protective of Becky from taking a major defeat. So it's the type of match where they can revisit in the future, maybe after this pay-per-view if they wanted to, to continue the feud. But for a, a band-aid solution, essentially, to something that was kind of out of their control, I think Asuka versus, you know, uh, Belair is that, I mean, it's a better match than, than what, what, what they had initially planned with Naomi, even though that probably would have been good too. So there you go, a Raw that uh, there was way more discussion about what didn't happen on the show versus what did happen on the program. And coming out, we have, I guess, two matches now for Hell in a Cell with Cody and Seth and tentatively Asuka challenging Bianca Belair for June the 5th in Chicago. 
two attractive matches, I have to say. Even though, like, you know, like, it's been a completely one-sided feud in Seth versus uh, Cody, we kind of know the deal. Like, it's, it, I mean, Cody shouldn't be taking losses, but we also really enjoy the in-ring content. Hell in a Cell is enough, I would say, of a, of a sort of um, elevation of the, of the feud to make me interested in it again. The biggest question, though, way on a show where you literally had a countdown clock, did WWE drop the ball in a figurative sense by not scripting their buzzer beater moment? <laughs> hmm. Uh, that's that's a you know, what would they be beating, though? I mean, the buzzer beater moment really is every day at 11 o'clock when they're supposed to go off air and you still have, you know, live TV and a match going on, right? If there's one thing wrestling fans love, it's clocks and counting down from 10. Oh, yeah. We're, we're Put a clock. We're, we're excited. Uh, the, people but, getting ejected and clocks, that is the DNA of a wrestling fan. I mean, the, the whole rumble is based on off of clocks. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just... You see a number going down from 10 to 0, and I'm focused on it. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, dive into some feedback, see if any chats are of the super variety. Uh, some of them are, actually. We thank you guys, of course, as always, for your support. Anytime we stream live here at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling, you guys can send a super chat or a super sticker in support of the channel and to ask a question. And first of all, we go to David Rodriguez, who sends $2. Thank you for the support, David. He asks, any word on a much-needed Bailey return? No, not in terms of um, of a timetable. Like you, the the injury happened last July, so you're you're looking at for you know, for, for for a torn ACL. Like we're we're in that ballpark, I, I would say, and I, I would imagine that it's it's going to be not too much longer uh, of a delay, but also finding like a the best timing for it as well to bring her back. I'll tell you what. I mean, I think that return date, um, the need for Bailey has probably been sped up way ahead after tonight. You know? Possible. I mean, it's it, it's a huge question that we can't answer tonight regarding uh, the, the futures of Sasha Banks and, and Naomi of like, what is going, is this going to be um, a blip in the relationship? Things are smoothed over and we mm-hmm. just go back to put everything back on course in the next week, is this going to be something more sustainable? And you're potentially looking at two significant stars at, at the moment that are not going to be on your programming for indefinitely. Certainly. Also, uh, I mean, tag team titles that, that are up for grabs and not to say that that's ever a big draw for for this company. But if they are in need of a match, I mean, maybe we get some sort of, you know, impromptu vacant championship situation happening at the pay-per-view or Maybe even a tournament, but I can't imagine how many people they have available for, for something like that. Maybe do you, maybe they'll just retire these belts from this point on. Uh, uh, I, I can't see them getting rid of them, but I understand where the, that sentiment comes. I, I will say, like, the more I think about it, like, that line in the press release about, like, the two people, the two unnamed people, mm-hmm. like, that to me is just such a vindictive line that is yeah. put in there because – that is going to create friction in the women's locker room. Mm-hmm. And that is just like throwing, uh, just, just throwing blood in the water to me of even if they come back, we, you can now deal with this, which was probably a private conversation that they have now publicized to the world in that statement and, and left it with the, with the guesswork of people that are reading about that statement and wondering of the four, who are they referring to and who those two people are, um, 
like how are they going to feel um, if they're reading about that for the first time? I mean, there's just so much about that line that uh, to me was completely um, uh, should not have been publicized. Yes. We go to Bad Vera, who sends 2,500 Chilean pesos, who asks, do you guys think this could be the point of no return between Sasha and WWE? It's hard to say. Um, I don't know what the length is of her deal, but that typically does not work out well for a performer. If you have um, X amount of time left on your contract and you're just going to sit on the sidelines, they have we have seen in the past, they have that ability to just freeze someone's contract. And that just becomes a very tiresome exercise for the performer. Again, it goes back to who who holds the, the leverage in these situations. It is typically the company and not the performer. So I would say for her sake, uh, if you are a fan of Sasha Banks, I don't think you would be rooting for an impasse where her career is just on hold because of a contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, it, this could be a situation where it's just things got heated today and within a week, things are smoothed over because logically, I think for all parties, it would make the most sense that they resolve this problem instead of it becoming something bigger. And you have two talents that are on the sidelines frozen. But mm-hmm. there, there was, you know, there may be some very upset um, individuals based on how it was handled tonight on both sides, on both sides. I have to imagine maybe some late phone calls or maybe late night meetings are happening now between some higher ups and these two just to kind of maybe, you know, sort this thing out before it gets any worse. Um, it's become so public now that I think it's going to perhaps take a little bit more than it would have if it was just kept private. And, uh, I, you know, we've seen, I don't think there's ever a point of no return when you're talking about Vince McMahon. Like we're talking about a guy who, you know, has brought in every single one of his enemies back into the fold at some point or another. Um, and, you know, you also have to look at what the other other options are for somebody like Sasha. Obviously, there's a lot that's out there for somebody, somebody like her um, outside of professional wrestling. I mean, her acting career could potentially be very strong. Her career as any sort of personality. Um, she'll she doesn't she's somebody who I can honest, honestly say probably is doesn't necessarily need wrestling now. But, you know, she loves it. And with the contract being what it is, I mean, she's not going to be working for any competitors without a big legal battle. So, um, I, I see her ultimately jumping back into the fold with the WWE and the WWE will be of course, happy to have her. They're one of her, like their big IPs that they own. Right. So I, I don't, I think it's in their best interest to, to patch things up. Let's go to fact channel who sends another $2. Thank you so much. Fact channel. He says, I started watching F1 because of y'all. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. I'm so glad you're you're into it. Uh, it's race week this week, John. That's right. Where are they this weekend? It's the Spanish Grand Prix. And then next week, it's Monaco. So two weeks in a row. Oh, boy. Monaco. Yeah, this is a uh, – uh, I've heard like Mo- Monaco. It's like a – It's a very- street. It's it's a legendary street track. And yes. It's yeah. very tight, These these roads. And these cars have only gotten bigger. So it's very difficult to maneuver. They say there's not much overtaking that's involved, but I mean, part of the, 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 the appeal is to see like whether or not people can properly navigate and finish the, the, the race, it seems. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard like Ferrari might have something, uh, up their sleeve this weekend. They might have some, some big plans for, uh, for, for, for Red Bull. Is that right? What's that? Yes. What's um, the plan? Some Don't. kind of upgrade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. The plot thickens. Dude, when I was out with uh, friends on Saturday, uh, I was like, bring up F1. Dude, they all follow it. Not not a big surprise. Like, it's yeah. honestly um, 
I, again, I feel like we're actually late. most of them. Most of them through Drive to Survive, but like one one of my friends, he's like he's been like a hardcore follower for like years and years and years. So it's like we're kind of like the hipsters just jumping on the bandwagon. But um, of course, yeah, it's just it's just interesting. What like, does your it, friend think? I'm kind of curious of, of like all these people that are watching something that was so niche to him. Um, I, I mean, he he certainly did position it of like, yeah, I was watching way back. Yeah, well, now now it's the cool thing, which I think you, you do get a little bit of that 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 uh that that bragging yeah. rights when you've been when you were you know can you imagine if like before? people were coming up to us in parties and like being like hey what do you think of the quarter hours yesterday you know like i will like, as a public service announcement if you ever see me at a party please do not come up to me and talk about anything wrestling related it is yeah, just uh yeah. my, my soul dies yeah um anyway so yeah there's a lot to talk about um are, are, any any more thoughts on on everything else that's been going on uh, are we moving on from F1? I, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought we you were are. like just leaving that open ended about uh, F1. Uh, well, we do have some forum uh, feedback as well that I want to read here. Uh, Alexander from Portland writes a fine show tonight. Alexa getting a new theme sounds nice, but Lily still being a part of the gimmick doesn't bode well. Omos and Lashley was an okay match, a fair ending to keep both men looking good. I'm not upset at the main event shenanigans, but why were Sasha and Naomi two SmackDown stars given a title opportunity on Raw? Yeah, the question that we never have gotten to tonight, Way. How how did two SmackDown stars get an opportunity on Raw? I, I don't know, Alexander. The brand split is like, come on, it's it's it is what it is. I applaud the two for standing up against bad booking, especially since their lack of involvement on this show seemed more newsworthy than anything that happened on it. Silver lining of the show with Kevin Owens, he's entertaining in any role he's been put in. Okay, very cool. Uh, sorry, would you mind just handling the next one, John? I'm just kind of reading this uh, update. Brian is in New Jersey and writes, Balor and Styles, too sweet and Liv Morgan at a house show over the weekend, took over some of my Twitter timeline. It caught my eye. It had me wondering if they were going to do it on Raw, and they did only for my reaction to it being muted because of the overwhelming story of Sasha and Naomi. And what an insane statement from WWE. Nevertheless, fun stuff from Styles and Balor against Los Lotharios, the cage match, and Kevin Owens. Thank you, Brian, for the feedback. So there you have it. And that is going to uh, wind down the show. Yeah, a wild that- one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, so somebody in the chat room just uh, are pointing out that Fightful posted an update. Uh, I believe I've read it and it, it, it's not necessarily uh, anything uh, that I, I, I don't think we've not mentioned so far. So um, it, we'll find out a whole lot more, I'm sure, about this sometime tomorrow for the post news update at one o'clock. Yeah, I would I, I would say like just just the way things were um, stated tonight on the WWE side. I'm very curious to see. um Sasha Banks and Naomi that I, I would feel would want to get um, th- their side out. We will see. Um, maybe they don't want to comment on it, but I mean, they were, do, they, do they were they really the, putting a role to respond to this. Well, do they have the ability to, I mean, and, and, and because now they have to be careful about what they say without the approval of the company. Um, I, I don't know if, if I was put in that situation and I'm reading that, that statement online about me, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about um, how, how I respond. If you don't care about further burning that bridge. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, what are you talking about? I mean, it's, um, again, it's, it's whether any, they, they, they feel like they want their, sort of their side represented or not. Yeah. Well, any sort of response coming from them privately will be, will be to refute. I would, I would think, you know, much of what was said in, in the WWE re- response and, and that'll just kind of continue to further tensions. So, it, or, or maybe not. Maybe they'll just put out a statement. WWE, a press release nailed it. 
the two people that we had issues with were <laughs> summarily, summarily, summarily. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's going to wind out, wind down the show. We'll be back Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. If there are any developments on this story, uh, we will kick off the show, uh, recapping that. Uh, Mark Paulisell from C4 Wrestling is going to be on with us. We'll also go, go through the SmackDown and Rampage numbers. Kane Velasquez being denied bail and all the other uh, news items going on in the world of wrestling. Go check out postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. Sign up and you get multiple bonus shows per week, including Tuesday night's Rewind Away, number 110, as we are going to have an extensive look at Thursday, Raw Thursday from February of 1997, where Shawn Michaels gave up the WWF championship in a wild and turbulent time in the history of of the World Wrestling Federation. I'm off to watch it now. Good night. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.